from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the second podcast in my five-part series about the Sabbath, which we call in Hebrew Shabbat. I think that one of the biggest misunderstandings about the Jewish observance of the Shabbat is all the prohibitions that surround the observance. You might be wondering why you should listen to someone talk about a practice that curtails one's freedom for 25 hours every week. But I promise you that by the end of this podcast, you are going to understand why observing the Sabbath actually sets us free and why it is more relevant in our generation than in any generation before ours. It sounds kind of ironic, right? You could go through the things that I am not allowed to do on Shabbat, and the list is long. I'm not allowed to be on my phone. I'm not allowed to watch TV. I'm not allowed to drive a car. I'm not allowed to cook. I'm not even allowed to turn on and off a light. But the truth is, that's not how I look at the Shabbat. I look at the Shabbat and say that this is the one day a week when I am allowed to not be on my phone when I'm allowed to not follow the news, when I'm allowed to not work, when I'm allowed to not answer any emails, when I'm allowed to just sit back and not be totally overcome with all of the outside noise and lists of things to do. We live in a world that is filled with expectations that we are reachable basically 24-7 at the ring of our phone, the buzz of an email, or the ding of our messages. We have to be fully accessible at all times, right? And that's exhausting. When was last time that you listened to someone else's voicemail and left a message that they could get back to you at a later point? If I call someone and they don't pick up, I'll send them a text or a WhatsApp or an email even to reach them as soon as I can. Karl Barth, the Christian theologian, said it best when he said, a being is free only when it can determine and limit its activity. So join me this week as I explain how the Jewish Sabbath, called the Shabbat, teaches me what true freedom really is and how we can be free by setting healthy boundaries according to God's calendar. In Deuteronomy 5.15, we are commanded, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Last week, we talked about how the Sabbath teaches us to remember that God is our creator. Now we are being commanded to observe the Sabbath by remembering that God freed us from slavery. You're probably asking the same question that I asked many years ago when I first thought of it. What does Shabbat the Sabbath, have to do with remembering the exodus from Egypt. Contextually, Moses was talking to those who had just left Egypt or their immediate descendants. So God freeing them was something tangible that they could clearly recognize and remember. It was a known experience to them. The rabbis tell us that when Moses went up to Mount Sinai to receive the Torah from God, the angels actually objected. 
ruler of the universe, they complained to God, you propose to give that precious treasure, the Torah, to a creature of flesh and blood? Urged by God to respond to them, Moses asked God, what is written in this Torah that you are giving me? Well, God began with the first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Moses turned to the angels and said, Have you been down to Egypt? Have you been enslaved by Pharaoh? When they said no, he asked, Well, then why should you have the Torah? Moses continued to ask the angels about each commandment. Did you do any work during the week that you need to rest from on Shabbat? He asked when God came to the fourth commandment about the Sabbath. After hearing Moses' points, the angels admitted their error and showered him with gifts. Moses had shown them that from their heavenly perches of perfection, they could not possibly understand the suffering below. And that's why humans both deserve the Bible and need it to guide them in applying the experiences of slavery and hard work to their lives as free people. The Bible and the Sabbath could not remain in heaven. They need to be down on earth. If the Bible and the Sabbath are not for those perfect beings in heaven, who is the freedom of the Sabbath for? Let's go back to that verse in Deuteronomy that begins with this. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The Bible is telling us here that Sabbath rest and freedom is for everyone, not just for Jews, not even just for Christians. God specifies even the slaves and the foreigners are to be included. What a radical idea. The freedom of Shabbat is for everyone. So the question for each of us is, are we free? Really, take a second, ask yourself, are you truly free? When was the last time that you were not chained to your phone, your computer, social media, watching the news, your weekly schedule of activities, even for a few hours? Well, one of the blessings of Shabbat teaches us that just as God is not enslaved to the world he created, so too we people of faith are not slaves to our toil. And we demonstrate this by resting from labor on the seventh day. There is a great misconception about what it means to rest on the Sabbath. The kind of work that we refrain from actually isn't strenuous, time-consuming activities in favor of easy and recreational options. No, that's not what God means when he says to rest. Because while we aren't allowed to flip on a light switch, I could, in theory, do a full Pilates workout. The work that we are commanded to abstain from on the Sabbath is creative work, one that creates something new. We are free to recognize that it is God and not us who is the ultimate creator. 
The Shabbat represents the ultimate freedom because the Shabbat is our sanctuary. Shabbat is freedom in time and space. I love referring to Shabbat in the way that Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel does. He called Shabbat an island in time because for one day a week, time is suspended and we cease to be enslaved by it. There are three Hebrew words for freedom, dror, chofesh, and cherut. These are all biblical. Dror is used in the Bible when talking about freeing a slave, like for the Jubilee. The next word that we have in the Bible for freedom is chofesh, and it's used in the Bible to denote the freeing of slaves. Although in modern Hebrew it means vacation, its meaning is more along the lines of release from an obligation to work. Whereas chofesh refers to freedom from an obligation to work, drawer refers to the freedom from subjugation to a specific person who lords over him. But both can apply to the condition of a slave, both the obligation to work and also being subjugated to another person who rules over him. Then we get to the third word in the Bible, which is used for freedom. And this third word is cherut. It actually doesn't appear in the Bible in the context of freedom. It's used as the word engrave and is used when describing the engraved Ten Commandments. Today, though, the rabbis use it as the standard word for freeing a slave. And in prayers where we beseech God to redeem us from servitude, we ask him to deliver us to cherut. So what is cherut? Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, the former chief rabbi of the United Kingdom, who recently passed away, explained a deeper understanding as to the difference between the words chofesh and cherut. He explained that chofesh denotes what a slave becomes when he is freed. It means that he can do whatever his heart desires. The word chofesh is related to the Hebrew words for desire and to search out and denotes a complete lack of rules. So chofesh is freedom from laws. Rabbi Sachs goes on to explain that this type of freedom may be worthwhile on an individual level, but on a societal level, there must be some form of rules. Imagine if everyone did exactly as they desired and there were no laws. There would be anarchy. We can't do whatever we want. Rabbi Sachs explained, laws must be presented and taught in a way in which everyone willingly accepts them of their own volition. When this happens, the law becomes a part of them, engraved in their very essence, and everyone can work together for the greater good. For example, we don't want to kill someone. It's not just because it's illegal but it's because it's engraved in our essence. It's our desire to not want to kill someone. And that's why the rabbi started using the word cherut, which denotes a freedom that comes to a society where people not only know the law, but study it constantly until it is engraved on their hearts. On the surface, this type of freedom may seem restrictive, but it's actually very liberating. This is the freedom and the ability to do things and actually get things done. But what do we need freedom to do? 
If we are honest with ourselves, we live in a world of modern day slavery. And because of this, there's no generation more in need of Shabbat than ours. We are slaves to so many things, all while thinking we're free. We're slaves to our work. We're slaves to technology. We're slaves to social media. We're slaves to shopping, to buying, to consuming. Our generation is slaves to external success. But on Shabbat, we are free from all of these types of slavery. My 13-year-old son, Liam, not so long ago, came to me and said, Mommy, at what age do I get to decide if I keep Shabbat or not? Because I'm not sure that I want to. Now, you have to understand, in our house, Shabbat is what the week is all about. It's the culmination of everything. And Shabbat, we're together, we sing, we eat yummy food, we have friends over. And Liam never expressed to me that he didn't like it. He always seems to love this family time. So at first, I was kind of taken aback. But I explained to him when he was a little older, he would be able to really see the full picture. And that's when he'll be able to decide for himself if he wants to keep the Shabbat or not. But more importantly, I wanted to know why he thought that he might not want to keep the Shabbat in the way that we do in our family. I asked him this question and he thought about it just for a second because he already had the answer. He told me that Shabbat was really fun that he loved the way we celebrate Shabbat in our house. He loves being with his family and being with his friends, going to synagogue with his dad. But it was also so hard for him to not use his phone for 25 hours. I looked at him and I said that it's also really hard for me to not be on my phone for 25 hours. And this is the exact reason that Shabbat is so important and so beautiful. I told him that if it wasn't for Shabbat, I would be on my phone 24-7. And I really appreciate that Shabbat gives me the boundaries of not being on my phone. Or you could say the freedom to have a break from my phone. And where I might not have self-control myself, there's this godly boundary that gives me the freedom to do what's good for me. All week, six days a week, I am accessible by my phone, by phone calls, by text messages. I'm always connected both to check on my four kids and also because my work, there's just always emergencies and last minute things that need to be done. I feel a responsibility to be connected, whether it's four in the afternoon or four in the morning. But there's one day a week that God says, Yael, I'll take control. I will take care of everything and you can turn off your phone. You can disconnect. And the truth is it's hard for me but I know it's what's best for me. And when I explained this to Liam, he really got it. He said right away that even though he wants to be on his phone, he definitely feels much better having these 25 hours of freedom from his phone each week. He agreed if it weren't for Shabbat, he would never be able to disconnect from his phone. And so I looked at him and I said, thank God that we're given the true freedom to set up these boundaries for ourselves. That story leads me to our next question. What is true freedom? It's a good question, and probably many people will have a different answer. So let's look to the ultimate book of truth, to the scriptures, to help us answer this one. In Exodus 8.20, God instructed Moses to tell Pharaoh, 
let my people go so that they may worship me. God freed Israel from Egypt so that they could worship him and become the servants of God. Now, does that sound like freedom? As a person of faith, I know that true freedom is being able to choose to be a servant of God. And only when a person makes God his or her master, then they are truly free from slavery and any other person, desire, or object. One of our biggest challenges today is just like I talked with my son about, slavery to phones or computers. On the Sabbath, for 25 hours, no one checks email, answers a phone, or gets in a car to go anywhere. We are simply present with each other and with God. This is what it means to rest on Shabbat. We stop working to demonstrate that we are truly free. We are actually choosing to disconnect in order to more fully reconnect spiritually one day each week and to take that into the work week with us. So let's consider what are some of the benefits of going offline for 25 hours? What are the benefits of no screens or tech for families? And why is Shabbat so important for our times? I may have mentioned this in the past, but I'm really into reading about mental health issues because I think it's something that has particularly plagued our generation. So many of the studies I read all agree on one thing. We are not living the way that humans are meant to live. Most of us are not surrounded by a support system or surrounded by a real community. I'm sure you've heard the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, then we have to ask ourselves, where is our village? If you've ever been a parent of a little kid, you know how hard it could be. It could be one of the loneliest places in the world. As a young mom, I kept thinking, where is my village? I was home with my baby day and night, trying to tend to all their needs, me and my husband juggling it all. I would try to make a coffee date with friends, but I was always planning it for at least a week away. I was always trying to figure out a time that works for both of us instead of just calling up a friend and saying, I need to talk to someone right now. Can we just meet somewhere, come over, have coffee? Let's get together and support one another. This idea of a real community support of your personal village is built not only on shared community values, but also on spontaneous encounters, not just on planned coffee dates once a week or once a month, but on being there for one another when we need that support. A community where you don't need to plan don't need every meeting to fit in nice and neatly in our schedule, but really connecting to each other in a way that's above the space and time of planning is a community where people feel supportive. And this is what Shabbat really creates. This is the island of time that I mentioned before. During the week, I am so busy. I'm working, I'm taking care of my family, of the house. There's always so much to do. So on Shabbat, it's hard for me to not be on my phone, but I also know it's the best thing for me. It's hard. It's hard for most of us to set those boundaries in our world, even if we know it's what's best for us. And I know it's so important for me to connect to my friends and my community and to go to synagogue. But you know what? During the week, it's just hard to find the time. 
And that's why Shabbat for me is so sacred. On Shabbat, we put everything on the side for the sake of creating the space for the things that are really important, for those things that we say we wish we had, we wish we did, but life is too busy. Shabbat is exactly for those things where we ask ourselves, what is important? Well, what is important? Family is important. Community is important. All week long, my husband and I are balancing our work schedules and the kids' school schedules, their extracurricular activities, their tutors and homework, which one of us needs to pick up the kids, which one drops them off, where they need to go, and trying to find time for each other as well. Ah, this whole list of things to do. I'm exhausted even just listing it. But on Shabbat, everything changes. Our house is open. Our friends stop by whenever they want. And our kids' friends stop by. From the time I light the Shabbat candles and Shabbat comes in, we have sometimes over 15 people between all of our friends who are just sitting around drinking tea talking, hanging out, kids playing in the yard, parents drinking coffee. And you know what's the most beautiful part of this? That it's not planned. It's just friends who feel like they want to be together. So they walk over. It's not planned because we can't plan it. We can't use our phones. So everyone just comes and walks by knocking on the door. I go to friend's house, just knock on their door. And this builds a place of natural connection, or as you might say, real connection. And I get to see that I'm not supposed to put my phone aside only because I shouldn't do work on the Sabbath, but I'm supposed to put my phone aside so that I can have room in my life for the important things. During the week, we often have family dinners, but with more than one teen in my house, everyone is so distracted, coming and going, answering texts. It's not the same as a Shabbat meal. Once a week, for 25 hours, we're given the freedom to focus only on each other, which makes me realize just how unfocused we are during the week. But that's why God gave us this beautiful gift. We're supposed to work and toil and enjoy that as well for six days a week. But on the seventh day, we have the freedom to rest. God gave us this gift of freedom and showed us how Shabbat actually restores our freedom for the week to come. In Psalm 119, we read, May your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation, according to your promise. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Never take your word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. Judaism encourages us to view the weekdays as an ongoing ascent to the higher values and the freedom of the seventh day. We put hope in his laws, and by following strictly the fourth commandment, we are able to walk about in freedom by keeping the Sabbath holy. All week long, I look forward anxiously to the coming Shabbat. I look forward to my one day a week of true freedom from modern slavery the freedom to set the godly boundaries that I need 
because I put my hope in his laws. My prayer is that this podcast will help you see how the Shabbat can transform our world and ourselves. This week, let's all try to make ourselves freer by creating some boundaries between work and non-work time. Maybe when you come home from work, allow yourself 15 to 20 minutes to just sit and mentally put aside your workday concerns. Try going one meal each week without any electronics at the table. Whether it's a job or housework, set an end time to each task or day. While you may not be ready to go 25 hours without technology, I encourage you to give yourself a taste of this freedom and create an island of time for you and your family, no matter how small. Shavuotov, my friends. Have a wonderful week. And join me next week as I talk more about the Jewish ritual of the Shabbat candles and the lessons in faith that this practice teaches us. Shalom from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.